So you're saying Zach has to actually play a game Look, before he can be the most prominent player in the NFL. It's not my office, homie, like you, but yeah. Clearly he did not see your 40. Oh, boy. Otherwise, he probably would have held you up at third. Yeah. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. For the past two months, we have had a weekly conversation with Zach Wilson as we followed him on his journey to the NFL draft. Well, it's kind of sad to think about it, but uh, this week is our final installment. And Spencer and I talked with Zach yesterday about his first week as a New York Jet. Here's that conversation on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Zach, how would you sum up the last week of your life as a member of the New York Jets and what you did, what you accomplished, and everything that's been going on? Yeah, it's been exciting. You know, I'm having a good time out here in uh, New Jersey, Florham Park, and, um, you know, having a good time meeting the meeting the new players and, you know, kind of everything we've been going through. You know, this past weekend we had a uh, rookie mini camps. It was really just an introduction to the offense, you know, really trying to learn the plays as quickly as possible, just be able to get used to the speed, the tempo, you know, calling plays with the mic and the helmet and, uh, you know, but I'm having a blast, you know, time, time's flying by. Well, and I'm sure it's just like all of the preparation going into being drafted and everything that went into that. Has it all been a blur? Have you been able to sit back and at least absorb everything that's happened to you in the last week or so? I mean, this is just unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I've had a little bit of time to kind of just reflect back and understand, you know, how how exciting this moment is and all that kind of stuff, you know, now but it, but now it's to the point where really uh, you know, it's it's crunch time, you know, we got to learn this this playbook as quick as we can, uh try and get to know the team my teammates as quickly as I can and uh you know, it, it's really, you know, starting over kind of like it was in college my freshman year. Uh just getting getting the playbook down so I can go out there and start executing and and running the offense and then finding the little things that I can change up as we go along and, and just get more and more familiar with everything we're doing. A lot of people are excited about the early connection that you have with uh, Elijah Moore, who is a star rookie receiver. How is that relationship developing through now a little more than a week? Yeah, Elijah is a great guy. And I think, I think really our relationships has come because of uh, we both, we both have the same goals and, you know, the same dreams of being able to play in this league and, and uh, not only just getting here, but, but playing at a, a super high level and, and, you know, having everyone know who we are as players. And so, you know, it's awesome because I, I hold him accountable and he's definitely holding me accountable for everything we're doing. Uh, and we're, we're making sure we go and we get workouts together. We're learning the playbook, playbook together and, uh, and then, of course, throwing together. So uh, it's nice to have somebody that's there to push you along the way. Speaking of the playbook, and, and obviously without giving away trade secrets, of course, how similar or how different is the offense you're now learning? How similar is that to what you were used to prior to? Yeah, I mean, similar as far as some of the concepts go. Um, you know, there's some that you can you can match up to what we did at BYU. Maybe like what you're trying to achieve uh, is working off the same coverages, same defense, all that kind of stuff. But but really, as far as terminology, uh, it's you know it's 100% different. The way that they call their routes, uh, the way they call their concepts, their formations, um, you know everything from the cadence, the way you got to call the play in the huddle, uh, it's all completely different. You know, even as far as defensive IDs and um, 
calling different fronts, uh, you know, different blitzes, all that kind of stuff. It's all completely different. So it's really like learning an entirely new language, um, you know, but it's a new challenge and it's, it's a lot of fun. This can seem very overwhelming for most human beings, Zach, but I don't get that impression from you, nor have I ever when you've been challenged with a playbook, whether at BYU and now at the New York Jets. So what is it about this situation that you like and not so much uh, feel anxiety over? Yeah, I think it's just understanding, you know, it's just another step uh, in, in the whole process going on. It's a new challenge. Uh, and it's going to take time. You know, we, we've all realized coming to this point, uh, it's going to be a process as far as learning the offense, getting used to everything that's going on. And, and the coaches know that. So they're patient with us, but, but it's exciting. I mean, I think that's why it's not overwhelming is it's a lot of fun to, to be able to get in the film room and watch, you know, why this play is designed for these certain reasons. And, and uh, once you put it all together, it's a lot of fun. You know, that's what makes football exciting. I don't know how much time you guys have actually been able to spend together, but how nice is it to have a familiar face and Tristan Hodge there? Yeah, it's been great. You know, Tree's not out here uh, right now. He was out here this past weekend, um, you know, for for our rookie mini camps, and they actually split uh, the O-line and offense completely separate just because, you know, we weren't allowed to have that many guys in. So I really only ran into him one or two times, but he sat right behind me on the flight out there. So you know, it's great to have, you know, a familiar face out here and somebody that I'm just, you know, accustomed to being around. Did, did he kick your seat? <laughs> and did you, and did you recline know, back knowing he was behind you? I did. I did. That's how comfortable we are with each other. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation. Quarterback for the New York Jets just finished up uh, rookie mini camps and much more to come in the very near future. In fact, Zach, what is the next big event on your calendar in preparation for quarterbacking the New York Jets? Yeah, you know, kind of like I said, right now this week we're, we're we're doing tons of meetings trying to trying to install the offense as quickly as we can. Um, you know, the coaches from rookie mini camps have kind of just given us a lot of the plays and concepts and things, and we're on our own. Uh, trying to just get those in as quick as we can because starting next week on uh, on Monday, you know, we start first uh, OTA practices and stuff coming up, and and you don't want to go out there and have no idea what you're doing. So you want to be able to, to show up and be prepared so that you can play fast. And so, um, you know, that's really where I'm spending most of my time. You know, obviously still trying to put some weight on, uh, still trying to get faster, you know, work out in the weight room, all that kind of stuff, um, and just take care of my body. But really, it's it's the mental stages right now. I'm just cranking down on the offense. Okay, a couple of quick hitter questions that aren't necessarily important right now, but fans care about these things. Uh, first and foremost, the jersey number. Have, have you settled on number one or number two? I'm actually going to wear number two. Uh, you know, that's going to be the number I, I carry with me. Uh, you know, hopefully my entire career, if it's available, you know, that's that's going to be something I, I – um, I think is going to be cool. It'll be a staple, you know, to represent me. Okay. And the second quick hitter is, have you settled on like a key phrase in your cadence and what you call it up the line? I know every quarterback's got their thing, blue 42, whatever. Do you have a thing that you are settling on? Well, you know, part of our offense is it's already built in, you know, we have white 18 is what we say. Um, and that's just what everyone says across the board. You know, we don't change that. Um, white 18 is going to be, uh, what we keep as a team. So are you basically in New York now moving forward before the season, or are you going to be coming back and forth? What's that look like over the next couple of weeks and months? 
Yeah, so I got out here last week, and I'm going to be here probably until the end of OTAs, uh, probably till June 24th, uh, the whole stretch of time. I just want to get used to being here, uh, being around the guys, being able to throw with these guys, you know, hanging out outside of football, uh, just being in the film room as much as I can, you know. So I think it's important just to be here. Uh, you know, I'll have I'll have pretty much the whole month of July off to be with family and all that kind of thing before training camp starts. And there's been a lot of stories come out talking about how you've already been in contact with teammates about doing some of these off-season workouts and getting together. What what kind of plans do you have for stuff like that? Any chance you you bring the guys out here to the state of Utah and let them experience the altitude a bit? I don't know if they want to go to Utah, but but we'll have to see. Uh, maybe maybe they'll bring me to Florida or something like that where it's nice and warm. Uh, you know, but we've talked about things. We're, we're mostly all going to be here. Uh, you know, we haven't decided on anything in July. You know, definitely when that time comes around, we'll be able to figure out some off-season training stuff. But uh, that's why all of us have, you know, gotten in communication so soon is because a lot of them are starting to come back out to New Jersey and we're, you know, we're able to, to do a lot of stuff here together. Um, so, you know, once July hits, we'll be able to figure out a better schedule. Former BYU star and now current New York Jets quarterback Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation. The NFL schedule release dominating headlines this week. Very exciting time. Uh, You know, as uh, now everybody in the football world knows, that week number one will feature a showdown with your former teammates Brady Christensen, Micah Simon, and the Carolina Panthers. How do you feel about the week one matchup against those guys? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, Carolina's a great place. It's going to be fun to go down there and play those guys. Uh, great team. It's going to be you know, probably some good weather, I would assume. Uh, so it's going to be fun to, to be able to see Brady and Micah and those guys. I have to assume, though, you – look, we, we know who their quarterback is, Sam Darnold. We know the situation there. I have to assume you are not too surprised that it was either going to be Carolina or maybe Jacksonville that you were <laughs> going to be facing pretty early on. The NFL loves these type of storylines, don't they? Yeah, most definitely. You know, that's what gets the fans coming back and, and the fans bringing the money, which keeps the whole game going around. So, you know, it's exciting to have these kind of matches for sure. What do you think about the idea of uh, moving back towards packed stands? Is it going to be a weird transition for you based on what you just came out of in the pandemic? Yeah, I hope it's not weird. I hope it's, you know, back to normal and, and feeling, uh, you know, I hope having fans in the stands isn't, isn't a shock to me about how loud it becomes, you know, but I think it's definitely needed and, uh, it'll be fun to definitely have have fans. I think the excitement and the energy is going to be going to be unmatched. It's going to be a lot better for sure. If you can throw that pressure pack pass in Knoxville in front of ninety thousand plus, I I think you're going to be okay, Zach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll be all right. You know, Zach. I know you've touched on this in in previous appearances on the show, but I, but I think maybe as a reminder to people. We know you have some family in New York, but what's your plans in terms of family? Are you, are you going to be out there by yourself most of the time? Are you going to have family coming out either living with you or near you? What's that situation? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's crazy how it worked out. My Uncle David, uh, they were in New Canaan, Connecticut, and I think he's still got a house there, but, but most of the family has moved to Utah, you know, so maybe uh, every once in a while, uh, my Uncle David comes back to, to New Canaan, you know, which is a good hour and a half away, but you know, pretty much the whole family's in Utah. And so, uh, you know, my close family will come out and visit, you know, every once in a while, they'll make sure that they come out and, and get to see me. Uh, but really it's going to be me on my own for, for, you know, 95% of the time that I'm here, it's going to be just me on my own and, uh, you know, hanging out I mean, in the film room and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, when you're here, it's a grind, you know, there's not much free time on your hands. There's not a lot of time to go to the city and enjoy 
you know, what's going on because, you know, football is the main priority right now. We just got to make sure that we're always uh, spending pretty much our whole day on that. And with that said, we certainly appreciate you working us into your schedule and uh, can't tell you how much fun this has been to kind of experience this journey with you to a small degree and do so on BYU Sports Nation. You've spoken a lot about your coaches, your teammates. Zach, with this as your platform, speaking to BYU fans, what would you like to say to them kind of as your parting words as you open up this brand new chapter of professional football? Yeah, just thanks for all the support. You know, everything that I've been through, you know, couldn't have happened without you guys. And, uh, you know, I think the exciting part is it's, it's not over yet. You know, it's, I know it's, uh, it's always been exciting for me to watch Cougars in the NFL and, and be able to watch them represent our team, um, you know, on TV every Sunday. So I think it's going to be cool that we're going to still have that, that fan base of Cougars uh, cheering on now in, uh, in New York. Zach, uh, again, thanks for the time, my friend. Wish you the best of luck. Stay in good health. Uh, slam into that playbook, get things going, and let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma so you can soak it all in. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. And Blaine, every time I either talk with Zach or see Zach in an interview or on the field, beyond anything from a skill set perspective, I, I always come away with the fact that nothing seems to phase him. It's, it, is, it is an absolute skill with everything that's going on for him to, whether, he, whether it's happening inside and he just doesn't show it, but to, he looks as calm as can be at all times, and, and I'm jealous of that because that is not, that is not how I'm wired. Yeah. And there, I'll tell you, to succeed at that level, when you make the jump from high school to college, you have to have the mentality that, yep, I belong here. You have to think you can play at that level. It starts with that, or, or you can't even get anywhere, right? And the same goes when you go from the college level to the pro level. You have to just assume, I'm, I'm a great player. You have to tell yourself that all the time. And I can play at this level, and I'm going to succeed, and this isn't going to freak me out. And he is, he is a master of that. He's confident, but he's not cocky. He, he nope. stays humble. He's confident. He's in the moment. And, and he works so hard. I, I think he's going to get along really well. Um, Robert Salah, who's the uh, – did I say that right? Sala. Sala, who's the head coach at, at the Jets. He's got this mentality, um, all gas, no break. Yeah. Um, and then their offense coordinator, Michael Floor, comes from the Niners as well as their passing coordinator. Same mentality. That fits Zach so well. I think he's going he's gonna to love playing in this offense. I'm so excited to see what he could do in the NFL. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Time to play Buy, Sell, or Hold, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Ben Bagley has agreed to join us. It's fitting that, Spencer, you have four favorite songs, and obviously that'd be three more than Coldplay actually produced. Oh, Oh, wow. Wow. All right, Buy, Sell, or Hold, Zach Wilson being ready for the New York big stage. I am buying this. I think he's heard for so long and so often now that he can't handle the New York media. He's never going to be able to deal with it. That now it's a personal challenge, and I think that he's going to handle it. Like, this is, this is the ultimate, I challenge you 
to take on the media, and he's ready for it, Jason. He's, he keeps hearing. He's going to hear about it every day. He's ready. Yeah, I'm buying this, and I said this on the show yesterday. One of the things that I admire the most, beyond anything from an athletic standpoint, is Zach Wilson's ability to not look phased at all. Looks calm in any situation. That is an absolute gift and a skill. And so I just don't think it's going to bother him. He's the dude that had a good portion of BYU fans saying Baylor, Romney, or Jaron Hall should start over Zach Wilson. And look what it did to him. Look what it did. Do you think he's ready? Yeah. I think he can respond to the criticism that he can't handle it. Next. Buy, sell, or hold. Zach Wilson should have been the number one pick. All right. Yesterday, Jets rookie running back Michael Carter saying, um, after seeing Zach Wilson in practice, that he, quote, deserved to be the number one pick. Um, I'm holding this. What else is he supposed to say? Look, whether it's true or not, he's not going to be given credit for going out on a limb because he, everyone's just going to say, oh, he has to say that because it's his teammate. Whether, look, I think a case could be made that you do take Zach Wilson number one. I, I'm going to hold this because, again, I don't think Michael Carter is going to get credit for going out on a limb because everyone's just going to assume he has to say that. Yeah, no, I, I'm a sell on this, actually. Because as much as I love teammates kind of going to bat for each other and having their backs, like, I'm all for it. It's great. Trevor Lawrence should have been the number one pick based on his college resume. And he was the number one pick. So I think the Jaguars got it right, and I think the Jets got it right. I think both of those quarterbacks should have gotten one and two for a myriad of reasons. I'm sell on this. Trevor Lawrence should have been the number one pick and was. Next. Buy, sell, or hold. BYU Hoops announcing a transfer or Alex Barcelo's status by next Friday. Ooh, I, by nature of this, I am hold. I'm hold on uh, either of these. Really, You know, I'm changing my mind. I'm going to sell. Yeah, not, we're not going to know anything for a while, Jason. It feels like we're not in a hurry with BYU basketball to announce anything. So I'm, I'm sell on this. Like We're not going to know anything for a while. Yeah, I think I'm going to sell as well. I, I just Look, BYU's got a lot going on in terms of feelers out there, and they're in a lot of people's top fives and top tens. I, I don't necessarily know if I see any of them committing right now, especially, got to remember, we've got a holiday coming up. Maybe you get something after the holiday. Right now, I will sell. I very much want to buy, but that's just being optimistic. Next. Jason, about to perk up here. Buy, sell, or hold. The college football playoff expanding before the Big 12. Did I hear expansion in Big 12? (laughs) I did. Uh, I'm going to buy because I need this to happen for my own mental uh, outlook on life. One million percent buy. The college football playoff will expand before the Big 12 expands. In fact, I think the Big 12 is going to get poached from probably. Texas and Oklahoma are valuable commodities that a big potential super conference could be very interested in. They almost went to the Pac-12 for crying out loud back in 2011. So, yeah, of course, the Big 12, I think they'll shrink before they'll expand the college football playoff 100% is Okay, I'm going to need to uh, – I, I answered the wrong question. Okay. I'm selling it because I need the Big 12 to expand first <laughs> because that's – what my mental makeup needs right now. Jason so heard Big 12 expansion. I, seriously, once I heard Big 12 expansion, that's all I heard. <laughs> that is, like, that, that I just happened live. You just said. There's nothing that I can hide about that. You just saw it working in progress. <laughs> Last one, buy, sell, or hold. BYU getting two wins on the <clears throat> Diamond tonight. Uh, I'm going to buy just because uh, one, softball is guaranteed to win yes. in the blue-white scrimmage. Yes. There's one guaranteed 
which you can watch on BYU uh, TV in the app. Okay. Number two, I think BYU baseball will bounce back on Friday night against Pacific. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying that we get two tonight. For the reason you mentioned with softball, and BYU led 3-0 last night, lost 6-3. I, I think they bounce back tonight. They're playing really good baseball right now. They just have to score four runs. <laughs> Seriously. Like, you score four runs, they're winning 70% of their games. The best of BYU Sports Station will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the man behind the magic of BYU Sports Summer Camps. He is the BYU Sports Camp Administrator, Vince Stroud. Vince, it is so wonderful to have you back on this program because summer camps are back after the COVID hiatus. We are thrilled. I can't imagine how you were feeling, but just in your words, uh, what type of effort did it take to get this back and running after an unexpected pandemic? Wow, that's, that's a great question. First, yeah, I am so thrilled. It is awesome to be back doing sports camps here at BYU. We're very excited, and my staff's excited, and the coaches are tremendously excited. It, it did take a lot, of, a lot of work, you know, the, from uh, the uh, President Worthen, the Vice Presidents, the President's Council, all of that, our doctors, uh, uh, Carolyn Billings with with our sports medicine here, all of that working to come up with a plan that uh, would work for us to to meet the COVID product protocols wherever they are at at the time of the camps and to get everything ready. So um, everyone bought in, wanted to do it to to get things back to normal as much as we could. Vince, knowing how popular these camps are during the summer, what's the response been? from Cougar fans uh, now that the, the registration has been open since last month. Yeah, we, we opened it April 15th and uh, Jason, the, the demand, the response has been tremendous. I was fairly optimistic that we would have a, a good response because we knew people were anxious to come back. Those that missed out last year that, that couldn't come and, and um, those that just, just want to have some, some camp, some normalcy and also uh, just how great the, our teams have been this year. But even beyond my expectations, our demand has been more than really any other year. Um, you know, we've had to, to limit some camp numbers, limit a little bit of housing to, to make sure we're, we're within the parameters that are set by the university and, and meeting the COVID uh, guidelines that are out there. Um, and but even with that, you know, we have so many people on wait lists, all of our camps. It is just it is so wonderful to see Cougar Nation just just coming and, and wanting to be a part of what's going on here. BYU Sports Camp Administrator Vince Stroud with us on BYU Sports Nation. How fluid is the situation based on what feels like changing protocols by the day in terms of social distancing, masks, people being vaccinated? So So how much of this? Are you managing in a very what seems like fluid situation? You're you're spot on there. It is it is fluid and and so um, you know I have two to three meetings a week with with different groups from from internal to um, uh, those external and also a, a committee across the university of others that'll be doing summer programs um, for for other audiences and so with that we can monitor and know exactly what's happening but. But yes, I mean, hopefully, you know, continue things continue to get better, and and some of those restrictions that we have can perhaps even be loosened even more. 
But uh, we're ready to roll as if camps were happening today with the protocols that we have, but we're prepared to uh, adjust as we need to either way um, if, if less restrictions or more restrictions come. So, um, and parents, the, the youth definitely will do, you know, what's been asked. They want to be here. Vince, one of the camps that's getting a lot of buzz is actually a new camp, and it's the, uh, the Girl Dad Camp. So that's something new this year. Give everybody an idea of what that is. Yeah, that's, that is great. I'm glad you brought that up. It, it's, so for years, we've done a, a father-son camp, uh, and it's tremendously popular. Very, you know, people you know, are anxious to get on that list and come to the camp. And, and so for a, a number of years, we've had requests about, um, you know, a, a father-daughter or a, a girl-dad type of a camp. And so we've been working with our coaches. And, and last year, um, you know, at the start of 2020, um, we had our, you know, women's volleyball, basketball, and, and cross-country cross track, um, those coaches all got together and said, hey, we want to do this. We want to pull this off. And so we had a plan in place and, and open registration just a few weeks before uh, everything was canceled. And so, um, but the response was, was pretty good. We were excited. And so this year we said, hey, let's, let's do it again. And so the, the response has really been, you know, more than we had anticipated for that as well. And, and we're just excited, you know, Coach Olmstead, uh, Coach Taylor with cross country, Coach Judkins with women's basketball, they are, they're all bought in and, and they'll have some of their players there. We'll do things that, that are different from our father-son camp, but it's going to model that so that bond, that experience between a, a father and his daughter can be strengthened and yet they can share some sports moments and also some some hopefully spiritual or, or inspirational moments with each other. And uh, We just really have a great plan. And it's the first year. I mean, very rarely do we get a chance like this to just kick something off and, and hit it with a bang. And let me tell you, it will be a bang to start with. Great stuff. Vince Stroud with us on BYU Sports Nation. Just because so many people are interested in the precautions and the restrictions that are in place right now, let's say hypothetically if the camps were to start today on May 12th, what restrictions would camp goers be talking about? So the uh, the biggest restrictions right now would still be the mask mandate. BYU still requires us to wear a mask on campus. And so uh, when we're not, when the campers wouldn't be in a uh, sports or competition activity on the court or in the field, we would be asking them to wear a mask as they walk between buildings or when they're meeting in a, in a, in a room and and uh, they would be wearing masks. And then also we would spread out. We would, we would put them into, you know, what is considered cohorts or for our sake, teams of 10, 10 to 12. And those teams would then be spread out as they'd sit in a large group meeting. And, and we'll stagger the meals and we'll have a, a few more of the meals that might not be in the Cannon Center, but that'll be a, a grab and go or, or an offsite um, meal away from that so we can lessen the the amount of traffic that goes through in one place and, and one time. And, and so those, those would probably be, be the biggest ones, as well as symptom checks, you know, just like anyone that, that comes into one of our, you know, sporting events when we're allowing fans, you would have to do a symptom check and, you know, they, they will attest that they haven't been exposed in the past, you know, seven days and had no symptoms in the past 48 hours and, and do those things so that we can try and monitor those that are coming in. It's no secret that this is a great way to raise funds for the athletic department, and it's much needed after not having sports camps last year. But 
I want to focus on the psychological benefit that this brings specifically to the athletes that are involved in these camps. What does this do for BYU athletes when they have the opportunity to work with young kids in the sports that they train so hard in? Oh, that's, that's a great question. You really see these athletes um, show their, their genuine true side. They, they connect with, with these campers that come, whether it be on the soccer field, you know, some of our, you know, women's soccer players out there with seven-year-old boys and girls or, um, you know, on the football field, you know, a star linebacker connecting with a, a, a junior, you know, football player, you know, and helping them see and catch, you know, glimpses of what they can be. Um, I think the, the student athletes, it, it, you know, they remember that time fondly and, and they want to give back. And it, and it really, from a, as you mentioned, a psychological standpoint, they're, they're looking outside themselves and they're, and they're, as I talk to them, some of them, I, yeah, I see myself in that boy or that girl. And so I, I want to be there. And it, I think it helps them, you know, get back to those basics and stay in touch with, um, you know, that, that inner drive and motivation really to, to be the best. So we, from the coach standpoint, and also we have counselors that we employ that, that stay in the dorms with these uh, campers that are in the housing and they do activities with them and they get a chance to share inspirational messages. And, and so that's something that they connect and they have a chance to give and to serve. And, and um, we're actually still, you know, hoping to hire a few more male counselors. So if there's any, you know, recently we turned missionaries out there that need, a summer job for a week or two, go to our website and, and click on that. It's a fabulous chance, whether it's being a coach or a counselor, to, to connect with these young people and, and some of them that are really searching and, and need role models and, and be that for a week. Well, I know Jason uh, might be interested. He's not a no. recently returned missionary, but <laughs> <laughs> all I know is my kids are super pumped that sports camps are back. They are already signed up and they're ready to go. They can't yes. wait. Vince, uh, we're thrilled again. Uh, thanks for taking some time to give us an insight into just how big of a project this is, and we're looking forward to a fantastic summer. Well, I am too. Thank you so much for having me. It's great, guys. Appreciate what you do. You got it. Vince Stroud on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how BYU Sports Camp Administrator. They're back. They're back, and uh, I'm so excited. My kids are just pumped for it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Uh, So let's talk about this. Is it a must get Alex Barcelo back to the team situation now? Uh, Because there were three seniors that had an extra COVID year if they wanted it. Matt Harms, Brandon Averitt are, are moving on. And then Alex Barcelo still is undecided, apparently. Um, does BYU need him? Does BYU need to get him back on the team for next year? Yeah, I, I do think that, especially right now, because that point guard spot has not been filled. Uh, the, obviously, there's, there's still... By a by, by gra- anyway. Yeah, by a yeah. grad transfer yeah, yeah. Or, or somebody coming in. And BYU and is going the, hard yes, on that, by the way. There are still you know, feelers out there, and they're still going after guys. So that could certainly change. Actively. It could change in five minutes for all we know. But right now, I I think it is really important for Alex Barcelo to come back. Look, and and I think it's honestly important, especially at that position, because he can play 
with the ball in his hands. He can play off the ball if you need to. We saw what he could do from a shooting per, uh, you know, percentage, especially towards you know, the first half of the season. The guy was just unconscious when he shot the ball. Yeah. So I, I think having him back, whether you get another guy at the point guard spot or not, is, is important. And I said this before in one of our previous segments. I think, and, and I'm not just saying this because Harms is now out of the mix, I, I always felt that having Harms come back was less important than having Barcelo come back. Why is that? Uh, because I just have, having a guy that is a floor general. You like and, the leadership. I, I like the guy that has the ball in his hands most of the game. I like having a guy that's been in the system for a couple of years coming back. Yeah. And so I think he can have much more of an impact. And I don't want to take anything away from Matt Harms. This, this, is not, this is not downplaying anything that Matt Harms brought last year. The guy defensively was fantastic. Gavin Baxter can make up some of that, sure. right? Um, but, yeah, it, it's known versus unknown. There are some bigs that BYU has that uh, kind of fill that spot in right. an effective way. But in the backcourt, BYU has a bunch of wings, but no real point guard at this point if Alex Barcelo is, is not back. So I agree with you. I think it's in BYU's best interest to try and get him back. Of course, they're going after it. But let's look at the roster next year and see who's going to be on the roster that could play point guard if Alex Barcelo's not here. And it's it's not going to be one of these guys as a starter, in my opinion. It would be a grad transfer or straight transfer. Remember the one-time transfer exception? Right. All of a sudden, you can get almost anybody that can show up here, and boom, they can start. Double-digit score kind of guy. BYU needs that. And, and to what end? Like, if BYU is not going to go to the NCAA tournament next year, then it doesn't matter, right? But BYU obviously is aiming to be as good as it can be in the transfer portal and whatnot. So look at the roster. Trey Stewart just got back from a mission. Over the weekend. Hit from American Fork. He's going to be a stud. We'll see how quickly that happens. It may take a year or two, right? Hunter Erickson didn't really play this last year much. And maybe Nate Hansen. So – there's not a lot of experience there. You don't want to throw one of those three guys in there as a starter right now. You just don't. There's no experience there in terms of at this level. Hunter Erickson, on a, cons- a couple on a, of games. Yes, on a consistent basis. Yes. I'm excited about the future for those guys, sure. but it's not right now. It's not right now. So you, And then you look at the wing, so those guys can kind of play on the wing as well. Trevin Nell, to me, is penciled in as a starter based on how he finished the year. Shot the lights out in the WCC title game. He was awesome. Spencer Johnson. And then, uh, you know, Gideon George is sort of a three and a half when you look at this. And then Brandon War is a walk-on. You know, you're not going to rely on him per se. So I do think that BYU needs to get two double-digit scores in the transfer portal. BYU has two or three Scollies available, depending on is Nate Hansen on Scully? He was, you know, promised pre-mission he was. Is he still? I don't, I'm assuming he is until he isn't. Um, but you never know. There, there's some, like, a lot of times we think, Okay, they're signing up for four years. Yes and no. The reality is you're really signing up for one year. And if it goes well, like you can get the next year, right? Um, It's a four-year kind of commitment emotionally and verbally and physically. But with a scholarship, that tends to be year to year. And there was a situation where Jesse Wade wasn't on scholarship last year but wanted to be on the team. And, uh, you know, now he's going to retire. So there's a need for BYU to get not only a point guard but I think another wing as well. Or, or a guy that's sort of a 3-4-ish to be on this team that is a double-digit score kind of guy. When I look at the roster, who, tell me who's a double-digit score right now. Because I think it's Caleb Lohner, right. and I think, perhaps Trevin Nell, right. and then TBD. I think this offense, and I don't know if it's like right out of the gate, but I think the, the ultimate game plan of this offense is to eventually have it be all about Caleb Lohner. 
Like, it runs through Caleb. Caleb Lohner is – As that, a sophomore. As, and, again, I don't know how quickly that happens, but he has that type of ability where the offense can run through him, and he can be the, the alpha in terms of scoring and the guy. Like when, like, when you scout BYU, the one guy you look at immediately is Caleb Lohner. But you've got to have guys around him that can either distribute the ball to him or take some of it off when the double or triple teams come because they're going to come. So having a, a guy that can be a scorer, and I agree with you, not only do you need to get a, a double-digit score at the guard position, I think somewhere else, whether it's at the five, whether it's a two or a three, whatever I, the case. I don't think BYU needs a five. But but it, look, if BYU's you get, got BYU's if, got three on the roster. But if you get a a guy that you know coming in is going to be a dominant scorer at the five, I don't I'll, know if you turn I'll that away. Take it. Yes. I just don't think BYU needs. But that. I'm just saying yeah. it doesn't all. It doesn't have to be two guards that are that are double digit scores. I think it can be other places. It can, but I think that's the way BYU is going to roll. Typically, offensively, is you can have a big who averages double figures, but you got to have two wings. Uh, in some capacity or point guard on the guard line that are double-digit scores. Otherwise, I, it's not going to work. I, I agree with what you, you said, not, though. You not have two bigs that average double-digit, I don't think. About Trevin Nell, I, I think. And the, and the thing about Trevin is just all about consistency. And yes, it, and I think as a junior yes, now, yes. that changes. Agreed. Yes. Yep. I, I, I look for big things from Trevin this upcoming season for sure. So BYU still looking for you know one to two to three dudes uh, in the transfer portal. So we'll, we'll see uh, what happens there. Our question of the day, does BYU need to get Alex Barcelo now back next year that Matt Harms is officially out? At 86, WI Coop. If no AB, then they definitely need to find a 14-plus point point guard Very in the transfer specific. portal. It's not, very specific. Not 13. What if he's 13? Yeah. What if it's 13? If Alex were to stay one more year, this is potential NCAA tournament team. There are a lot of good pieces on the court surrounding AB. Spencer feels differently than I do about this team. He, he felt like if Alex Barcelo's back, that's a tourney team. I don't feel that way. I would need to see, uh, I would need to see it because I don't feel like there's enough weapons per se. I am excited about the development of a Caleb Lohner, a Gideon George, a, what kind of impact can Gavin Baxter have? Will it be similar to what uh, Matt Harms had in terms of length and shot blocking ability? Uh, Gavin Baxter is a better rebounder than Matt Harms, so that's exciting. Well, in terms of playmakers, the two playmakers you're you're losing that's a lot Brandon of Brandon Averett and usage. Matt Harms. A lot of usage. So where does that go? Like who are you? Who are you sitting here going? This is equal to what was last year from in terms of. Uh, usage and productivity. I just we need to see Trevin make a jump. We need to see Caleb make a jump. Agreed. We, we need to see, see Gideon George make a jump. Yes, T, TBD transfer come in yeah. and do something. Kyle Nelson on the gram. It was always a must, but at this point, maybe not. We don't have guys on the team that are ready to take charge and lead us to the tournament. Even with Barcelo, this year will be a finding the guys to lead the twenty two twenty three team to the tourney. Now, now that's interesting. What, but what if all of a sudden BYU signs two transfers that they think could start and average double digits? Does that change everything? Because I think it would. And well, that's I, what, I, that's yes. what BYU's trying to do right now. Look, I, I, I don't think that the coaching staff's going into this offseason thinking it's, it's an offseason where you don't have to worry about getting the tourney. The, right. <laughs> they, and, and, they absolutely are trying to find guys to get in 
on the, in this program that absolutely will take them back to the NCAA tournament. This team, as currently constituted, all those in favor, please make it manifest, is not a tourney team, in my opinion. I think they need another weapon or two. If any opposes what he just says, also please manifest. Go talk to your stake president or whatever. Yeah. I, it's, it's really interesting to see this group. They're going to get better and improve. But yeah. let, let, me, let me tell you how difficult it is to make the NCAA tournament. On average, there's about five or six non-power six at-larges. That's it. That is it. It is so hard in this era to make the NCAA tournament. The fact that BYU was going to do it in 2020 and did it last year, highest-seeded non-power six at-large, by the way, notable accomplishment, um, was incredible. It's very difficult. So we'll see what BYU does in recruiting. Hopefully they bring in a couple of guys and give BYU a shot to be bubble The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. One weekend into Zach Wilson's stay in New Jersey, and yeah, things are going uh, pretty, pretty well. Swimmingly, in fact, here's Zach Wilson. I think just getting used to, you know, the, the differences from, from college and the NFL, um, you know, obviously uh, learning all the new plays, uh, getting used to throwing to different guys, uh, you know, the speed of the game is a little bit different. And then, and of course, the field, you know, is different as far as the hashes and numbers go. So uh, it was good just to get back after it. Here it is, May, and we're hearing from a BYU Cougar in the NFL. This is fun. We need this content. What were your takeaways from the first weekend of Zach Wilson with the Jets? Um, well, look. We're in the early stages of this. We're in the honeymoon stage. Overreact. Everything is great right now. But I will say this. Zach looked the part, which I don't think any of us were concerned that he wouldn't. He looks like the villain of an 80s high school. (laughs) No. He looked like a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Look, he's saying all the right things. The Jets are all saying the right things. And why wouldn't you? It's been three days. And he did absolutely nothing to say that he isn't going to turn out to be successful or the other way. I mean, yeah. it's, it's three days. There's no way to really gleam anything of substance in the first three days. What do you mean? We saw highlights <laughs> on no defense. But, but, again, everything about him, he came – all of the stories that are coming out about how prepared – look, and we know – this guy is prepared. From what he did yeah. here at BYU, we know that. Yeah, he's a voice. But everybody was talking uh, in the New York area about how prepared he was coming in, and he's comment or uh, contacting other players, wanting to get you know offseason workouts together, and he's really coming in and taking that leadership role, which is exactly what you're looking for out of your quarterback, regardless if it's a first year rookie or a veteran. Your quarterback has to be the leader, or at least a leader on your football team. So, th- look, there's no way to read anything of substance in over the weekend other than to say it was a great start. And everything that could have looked right, looked right. Yeah, everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Yes. The Jets, well right? Done. Well it's, done. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he didn't have any crazy misses in uh, you know, the easy throws and kept it pretty simple. He was trying to just – Work on the mechanics or whatever. Yeah, yeah, everything's great. Uh, yeah, not not a lot to take away. You know, the initial couple of days, rookie uh, OTAs, all good, man. No, it's uh, Jet, Jets fans are certainly excited about the connection with Michael Carter, 
and uh, Elijah Moore and other rookie offensive weapons. So this is this is the time for rookies just to show up and kind of pay their dues and get in early. And, and he just barely got the playbook, so I'm sure he's excited about that because that's something he loves to uh, dig into that and understand the plays and what's going to happen. So, yeah, offensive linemen have been separated, uh, Elijah Vera Carter and one Tristan Hodge as well uh, in the mix, which is kind of fun. I wonder if Zach and Tristan have gone out to eat or whatever uh, since they're on the same team right now. So, yeah, every, everything's great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this process as we go through it with Zach. And, of course, we have a couple, uh, you know, a week or two left in our Zach Wilson conversations uh, that we uh, record each week. So everything's great. But not, like I said, not a lot to take away, but I'm excited that we, we haven't had this in the history of this show right. where – we had a top-notch quarterback that we kind of plugged into every day. So guess what? We do this show all year, so this is going to be awesome. <laughs> well, and you hit on something that I think is the number one priority, not just for Zach, but for every one of these rookies that are coming into these mini camps. And, and most, by the way, are not starting until this week. So there were only, I think, two or three, maybe a few more, but not, not the majority of teams that started their rookie mini camps. Over the weekend, most are actually starting on the 14th. So you're going to have all these other BYU players that are on NFL rosters that are rookies this season that will actually be getting into those. Like Matt Bushman with the Raiders participated over the weekend, but you have a lot of most others will start later this week. But you touched on the fact that they're learning the playbook. That's what this weekend is. These coaches want to see, because once these guys either were drafted or signed as undrafted free agents, they were immediately given the playbook. And I think that this first weekend of rookie minicamp is all about these coaches seeing how much they have absorbed in a short period of time. I think that's what this is all about, is to see how prepared in a short period of time you can come in and show us our system. I think it's second. I think first is spending the signing bonus. That's what this time is. <laughs> it's really, to just get rid of that is, money immediately. Really for Zach buying a Tesla. <laughs> it's already happened. Wasn't he already given a Maserati? No, that was that was just was that a while loaner? he was in Southern California. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Yes. We were given a loaner a car ca- over the was- weekend. It was certainly not a Maserati. <laughs> we all went into Saturday's Volleyball National Championship game with high hopes for BYU. However, things did not work out well at all, to say the very they least. They didn't. They did not. How does the loss of BYU Volleyball to Hawaii in the National Championship game change the way you look at the season as a whole? Yeah, right now it certainly puts a damper on it, and uh, I, I'm so sad for those guys. I, I was in the locker room after the game, and there were, there were some really, really, really disappointed uh, you know, players and coaches in, in uh, how that went. Um, you know, it, it was tough. It was tough because Hawaii was just better. They were just better from the service line, and BYU could not pass. And then BYU didn't offset that with its own pressure. And, uh, you know, some of BYU's best players didn't play their best, and that's frustrating because this team was awesome, man. Um, and this journey through from 2019 when they were young bucks to seniors and seven seniors, you know, it's, it's a bummer to go out like this. But uh, congrats to Hawaii for winning. They've had a massive drought as well, like BYU of not winning the Natty. And um, so, yeah, when I look at the whole season, uh, right now, it certainly puts a damper on it, but I think as the weeks and months go by, we'll go, oh, that was a really fun season. Unfortunately, again, BYU lost the national championship match, 
I've been to four of these now where BYU has not just lost, been swept. So why don't you stay away then? I thought about it, but I don't believe that I control anything. Uh, <laughs> thir- I can't even control my own kids, let alone BYU men's volleyball. 2013, 16, 17, 21 now. So, yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer, man. But uh, this was a special season and a special group. And uh, it is disappointing not cap it off for the national championship. We had this discussion on Thursday and Friday in terms of is it championship or bust for this team? And my, my take both days was no. You get to the national championship game, even if you lose, it is not a bust of a season. No. My, my take has not changed. I still feel that way. I will say, though, I was very surprised in the way that BYU lost. I did not expect Hawaii to be that much better than the Cougars. And, Nobody and, did. And they not, were, not even Hawaii, bro. They were dominant in that match, yeah. and I did not see that. Look, I, I thought BYU had a great chance to win this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 thought, I went into Saturday assuming BYU, by the end of the night, was going to be a national champion. I thought they were yes. they had that they were that good. And I and I stood look, just because they lost doesn't mean that they're not good. They just ran into a really, really good team who was playing lights out and they made more mistakes than they had in most of their matches all year long. And it just happened at the worst possible time. So my overall feeling on the season doesn't change. It's not a bust, but I was certainly surprised at the way that the championship game ended. No one wants to get boat raced, and uh, that's what happened to BYU. Again, Hawaii just served the lights out. You can't control that. What you can control is, are we going to be able to pass that and offset it and run our offense? And BYU couldn't. And that has happened in 13, 16, 17, and now 21. And that's the disappointment. And BYU was ready for that. BYU knew it was going to be a tough game from the service line. I thought BYU would bring it a little more from the service line as well to sort of offset that. But uh, ultimately, the Cougars didn't. So, season over, national runner-up, MPSF champs, 20-4 and four year. Yeah, fun year. Ton of joy in that journey, but unfortunately, a disappointment. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The golden era of BYU football in the National Football League. Jason, is that right now with all of the emerging stars and players that Brigham Young University football is putting into the NFL right now? Or does that phrase belong to the 80s and 90s with the likes of McMahon and Young? Look, I went into this topic yesterday when we had this discussion that we maybe wanted to get into this today. I was, I had already made up my mind. It was difficult, but I had already made up my mind. I was going with Steve Young in the 90s. Okay. That that was the golden age of BYU in the NFL. You had Steve Young, who obviously is is the most notable and and probably the, the biggest name of any BYU quarterback that's ever played in the National Football League. He's a pro football hall of famer. Absolutely. So you you had the storyline between him and and, and Joe Montana, and was he going to get a shot, and then he won it in 94. So I was, I was, that was my answer. The more I thought about it, I changed. And I do believe now is the golden era. And okay. it's not just because of the sheer number of guys that are in the National Football League. It's the number of guys that are in place at key positions and actually doing something with it. Obviously, the most recent 
big name and big storyline is Zach Wilson going number two overall. He is constantly being talked about. He is in the number one media market in the world okay. in New York, and he's talked about all the time. So he's, he's obviously there. Then you have Daniel Sorensen with my Kansas City Chiefs that has won a Super Bowl. I'm not exaggerating when I say I don't know if they make it to the Super Bowl okay. without Daniel Sorensen because some of the plays he made in the playoffs leading up to it. You have Kyle Van Oy, who's won Super Bowls. You have Taysom Hill, who everybody talks about, may end up being a starting quarterback. He was the Swiss Army knife. Fred Warner might be the best linebacker in the National Football League, plus Michael Davis signing a new contract. <laughs> Sione Takitaki is a starter on a very good playoff team in Cleveland. I think this is the golden era, wow. and I didn't think that yesterday. Wow. Your argument has some serious traction for all of the reasons that you just listed. Look at the five faces on the screen right now. Taysom Hill, Fred Warner, Kyle Van Noy, Daniel Sorensen, Jamal Williams. There are combined three Super Bowl rings on that page. Fred Warner played in a Super Bowl. Jamal Williams, had he stayed in Green Bay, I thought was going to get to a Super Bowl. And who knows if Taysom Hill will be there. He's been in the NFC Championship game. So, yes, they're all significant contributors. And we're not even talking about the 15 other guys that just joined the league with dreams of making big things happen. Zach Wilson being the most notable of that being handed the keys to a franchise the day after he was taken number two overall as the highest draft pick in BYU football history. That said, Jason, I went back and I looked, and I know Steve Young and Jim McMahon take the headlines from the 80s and 90s. Okay, well, I won't even include Jim McMahon. Okay, just just Steve Young in the late 80s to early 90s. But look at the other players that were around Steve Young as well that sometimes are forgotten, okay? Okay. How about Todd Christensen? One of the, the all time greats. Yes. And a guy that is revered in NFL circles. Yes. Okay. Bart Oates, multiple time Super Bowl champion as a center with Steve Young and the San Francisco 49ers and Joe Montana. Then Jim McMahon. Okay, but I said I'd leave him out. And then you kind of get to the 90s and the early 2000s where it's not great. There's some sporadic players, Brett Kiesel, but. Back into the 90s, Chad Lewis. Yep. Okay, another player, Pro Bowl guy, multiple years Pro Bowl guy. And I think he fits into the 90s mold with Steve Young. He was in the league the same time Steve Young was. He, got, he went into the league in 1997. Okay? So add that to John Tate. Vaisika Hema was in the league for a long time. Mark Wilson is before this era. So he'll, he's kind of with, if not before Jim McMahon. And then... A guy like Dennis Pitta was really the first sticking player for BYU in what felt like a decade. Okay, you got about early 2000s to the late 2010s, early 2010s. That's when Pitta made his mark. But the 90s still with Young, Bart Oates, Vysik, and I'm going late 80s too. I, I still think those guys, because there were Super Bowl championships involved with quarterbacks, that that is going to win the argument with most BYU fans. I look, Quarterbacks – champions, NFL Hall of Famer, BYU just the guys now just need to do a little bit more to win the argument of being the overall golden era. I frankly BYU needs a quarterback to do something significant so that they can then overtake what Steve Young and the other guys did in the late 80s and early 90s. Well, they may have an opportunity now with two, depending on what happens with Taysom in New Orleans. Look, like I said when we started the show, I don't think that there is a wrong answer. And I don't, I don't want 
me making a case for one era to mean that I'm trying to downgrade another sure. era because sure. that's certainly not. But I, I view, I, I view it, and I understand your point about the Super Bowls and the guys that were there were winning Super Bowls. I just don't know if I have ever seen this many BYU players being storylines and significant storylines in the NFL. Is that because of the way that media has changed, that, though? There is no question about it. There is far more media than there ever was in the even early 2000s, mm. certainly the 90s and the 80s. I will give you that 100%. But you have to, you have to take each era on its own merits. And yes... It's going to be difficult to compare certain things like that in terms of media coverage. But I think that that certainly plays a major role as to what ultimately swayed me. It's because I don't remember this many guys. And you do have Super Bowls. Now, it's not a quarterback winning Super Bowl. But you mentioned, you know, Sorensen has played in two, won one. You had Fred Warner playing in one. Kyle Van Noy's Kyle won Van a couple. Kyle Van has won a couple. He's Thank won you, two. Tom Brady. But I, I just don't know. And, and these guys are leaders on those teams. Sione Takitaki is one of the defensive leaders, the signal caller on defense. Van Oy is the same. Daniel Sorensen, starting safety. You know what I mean? I like, and now you have Zach Wilson, again, in New York, starting quarterback. Taysom Hill could be the starting quarterback. If he's not, he's still going to be a major, major piece and still a storyline every time you talk about sure. the New Orleans Saints. Fred Warner is the best linebacker and in Fred, football. I was, I was listening to Pro Football Talk with uh, Mike Florio and Chris Sims. They said that, those exact words. They were talking about the 49ers and the quarterback situation, but they also started talking about the defensive side and how good of an overall team they are. And they said Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL. It's stuff like that that, that has swayed me to believing, and it's not just recency bias, that I think this is the golden era in the NFL. It certainly is the flourishing era, it feels like, just with the sheer number of significant contributors. Just when you name them off like that, back to back to back to back, those guys that are contributing in major ways right now. So I feel like BYU is flourishing. I don't know if I'm ready to call it the golden era, though. This is kind of like the bling-bling era of BYU football. <laughs> Everything's shiny and sparkly, and there are diamonds. Will you give it's... me the silver era? <laughs> Will you at least... I think it's better than silver. That's Cubic zirconium era. Okay. Are we willing to give me this? I think it's better than silver. Maybe, maybe this is the golden era. I was going to say, Steve... if it's better than silver, there's and, only and one. Steve Young and Jim McMahon are the platinum era. You know? <laughs> okay. Okay, in terms of value and worth. <laughs> I just need a quarterback to win a Super Bowl for me to turn the page officially and say, okay, now we're here. This is, they have displaced that era as now the next greatest thing. I need a so prominent you, quarterback. Think about it. Steve Young, Zach Wilson is Steve Young like 35 years ago. Getting drafted by a terrible team. Right. He was going to go to the Bengals, but he opted for the USFL. Yeah. Like Steve Young would have been in the same scenario as Zach Wilson. It's the same story, only 37 years later. What can Zach Wilson do with the New York Jets? I need a quarterback to do something significant to officially turn that page. It's a fun topic. It, it really is. This is a fun topic. I love this. It's great. And frankly, doesn't it put you in a good mood? Like, I think about the NFL. I think there are 19 different teams in the NFL represented by at least one BYU Cougar right now. Yes. That's amazing. It's unbelievable. All right, let's go to Voice of the Nation now and ask you your opinions. Is right now the golden era of BYU football? Sound off in Voice of the Nation. 
This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. Ben Peterson answers on Twitter. I don't know if you can call it the golden era yet. We have to see how all of these players pan out. BYU's had quarterbacks lead their teams to victory in the Super Bowl. That is more impressive than what is happening right now. I think it's the argument of number of significant contributors versus the amazing accomplishments of a fewer number of players in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, and, and my whole point was, it's, it's yes, it's the sheer number that are there, but it's, it's more than just the amount of players in the league right now. It's, it's what they're doing. What they mean to those teams. It's what they mean and the storylines that they are producing, the national attention that they are getting and therefore BYU is getting because of it. I think that's different. I just think it's different. Bradley Perkins on Facebook says it's the beginning of the golden era, just the tip of the iceberg, and it very well might be. I'm kind of with Bradley. I just need to see a little bit more. I need more of the iceberg to be exposed here, more exploration to take place. Announced their new commissioner. His name, and I hope I get this right because I've heard it mispronounced mm-hmm. multiple ways, mm-hmm. George Klavkoff. Okay. Uh, he's, and, and one of the big talking points <laughs> in his presser yesterday was the Pac-12's desire to have the college football playoff expanded. I think most people are in favor, with the exception of the college football playoff themselves. <laughs> but what does this mean for BYU? It means that there is more positive conversation that a team like BYU can be quote unquote included with the big boys. So uh, on the surface, Jason, but how long have we been hearing this? We've heard it from so many different people, just maybe because of the turmoil of last year and how much negative media exposure was so heavily centered on the college football playoff committee and their inability to handle ranking teams the proper way, maybe there is a driving force here, but it always comes down to money, and it always will come down to money. I hate it, but it's the truth. And when there's more money to be made, the college football playoff will expand, they'll make more money, and everybody can be happy. While the rich get richer, the football fans can be happier because they get more football. There are a smaller number of prominent media members, and I'm not going to name names, but they argue for keep it at four. Most go to six, maybe eight. I think we're heading in the direction of at least eight, Jason. It has to be at At, least eight. At least eight. And the Pac-12 commissioner, George Klavkoff, who some people were joking looks like an incognito version of Larry Scott, (laughs) he understands that the Pac-12 is a conference will benefit greatly from this and have an opportunity to get into the college football playoff, where in recent years it has not been kind to the Pac-12. So like BYU, the Pac-12, they're kind of there. Washington was the last team to get into the college football playoff, and they weren't really competitive. So this this is good for the Pac-12. Of course they want expansion. They want eight teams. They probably want 10 or 12. Yes, yeah. And, And look, and let's be honest. That's why this is not for the betterment of college football. The reason that the Pac-12 commissioner is being so outspoken on this is he realized if it's not expanded, the likelihood that the Pac-12's in it, certainly on a consistent basis, is is next to none. Yes. I mean, that's that's just the way history has shown so far. In terms of what it means for BYU, specifically nothing. 
it, it doesn't change anything for BYU unless unless the access changes with it in terms of the you have greater access and the, and really all it means is any G5 so BYU any other team that's in the same situation meaning not in a P5 conference they're all in the same boat it doesn't benefit BYU more than it benefits Houston or Cincinnati you you if you have the same access that you have now all it means is there's a few more open spots so whatever percentage of chances you had getting in that goes up slightly. It's there's really not anything specific to BYU uh, unless you're making changes to access more than just there's four more spots open. If you're going to give, if you're going to weight access heavier for some G5s, then we can talk about how it specifically affects BYU. But right now, there there really isn't much, whether you're going to go to 8, whether you're going to go to 12, whatever well, it is. If you get to 12 or 16, then I think it's a different conversation. Probably. But I don't feel like it's going to go This is the best of BYU eight. Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches athletes and experts have to say here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Yes always good to have Trevor on the program and as you mentioned I talked with the former Cougar and ESPN college football analyst this morning on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline here's our conversation. It's always a great time when we have Trevor Maddich joining us on the program, and he joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Trevor, it's been a while since we had you on the show. What have you been up to? Jason, I've been laying low. I've been relaxing. I've been taking a nap, and uh, and then after the nap, I took another nap. The season is a blur, so it's nice to be able to relax for a while. Let me tell you, when you can master the art of the nap, you know you are ahead of the game. There is nothing better than a good nap and with everything that you do during the college football season I'm sure you certainly earned it after just a crazy year last year but at least for BYU fans it was uh, it was an exciting year and it it led into an unbelievable offseason one that we have not seen in a very very long time Trevor it was the worst kept secret that Zach Wilson was going to be the number two overall pick to the New York Jets but now that it is official and you've had time to digest that what do you think of the fit and his future in New York? I think Zach's a great fit for the Jets. And partly it's because of what they're doing around him. They have brought in a bunch of young playmakers in this draft that can grow together with Zach. One of them is Ole Miss wide receiver Elijah Moore. He is seen as a slot receiver, but that's not really fair because he runs in the four threes. And at Ole Miss, he was able to get behind some of the best defensive backs in the nation, including from Alabama and LSU. So he's got the slot skills and the deep skills and the elite speed. They brought in Michael Carter, their running back, who's not just an outstanding runner, but an outstanding receiver out of the backfield. And they bolstered the offensive line for him. And what really impresses me, Jason, is how when each of those guys was drafted, Zach got on the phone with them or texted them immediately and welcomed them to the Jets and said, let's do this thing. And what that does is it creates an immediate environment of togetherness and an esprit de corps among those young players coming in as the guys that are going to carry this franchise back to glory. And when you set it up that way, you create a, a brotherhood that wouldn't have been created the same way otherwise. So I think Zach Wilson, with all of his skills, coming into a situation where they're bringing in young talent with him, the best thing that he did was to 
develop that talent into a unit mentally and emotionally before they even met each other. Well, and, and I think that's great. And, and we've seen that at BYU. I mean, this guy is a leader. And I, I, we're all excited to see what he can do with the Jets and in the National Football League. You know, one of the biggest questions in terms of going to New York was, well, New York historically has not done very well. And they, they haven't won in a really, really long time. We have talked on this show a lot about we like the fact that Robert Sala is coming in and he seems first-year head coach. We understand that. They're going to have a first-year offensive coordinator. But I like the guys that they have in place because of a new starting quarterback, a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator. How tempered should expectations be for year one? Quite tempered. In other words, I wouldn't begin to judge this draft class, including Zach Wilson for the Jets, until two and maybe even three years from now because of what's happening with the division around them. The AFC East, Buffalo is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Miami got a lot better in the last couple of years with draft and free agency. And their quarter to a the quarterback to a Tonga Bailoa now has got those rookie jitters behind him, and he's now the man. New England, all of a sudden, for goodness sake, is going to take a huge jump. They had a poor season last year, but they had around eight guys opt out because of COVID. And so they were very active in free agency. They had a really good draft, and those guys are back in them. And I think the personnel of New England will take a quantum leap over what they had last year. And then the Jets need to compete with all those teams that are ahead of them in the race to improve. So I think the Jets will improve. I think they will become competitive, but I would not judge them too soon. BYU had five guys drafted, and then after the draft, seven players signed free agent deals. Of all of the situations that BYU Cougars find themselves in right now, who do you think found the best situation? You know, there's a couple of undrafted free agents that I think have a great opportunity. One is Matt Bushman, tight end, signing with the Raiders. He would have been uh, probably day two draft choice. That means second or third round had it not been for the injury. But coming out now on the heels of that injury, what he's doing is allowing himself to have an undrafted free agent contract while he gets back up to speed, and then he expects to have that second contract come home. And that's what he's doing. And so he will bring so much more playmaking ability than most undrafted free agents could ever hope to bring to the Raiders. And then Chandon Heron with the Titans. This is a fascinating pick for me because the Titans need a, a right tackle desperately. Herring has played right tackle. He's more of a guard, I think, in the NFL. But the reason they say, the scouts say, that he's not really an NFL tackle is because even though he's very tall, he doesn't have elite length in his arms. Well, the thing that he does have is good feet. And when you don't have long arms on the edge, you fix that with your feet. If you stay in front of the guy, you don't have to reach out for the guy as much to keep him from going around you. So Herring has got the size, the toughness, the physical, freaky nature of just looks like a Viking, for goodness sake. And the guy, I think, has an opportunity to be a, a good swing guard for them, maybe even a starter, and possibly as a swing tackle, he could step into that right tackle spot and have an opportunity to start going forward. I think it's just a really interesting opportunity for him. Because you obviously know the Washington football team quite well, I'm curious your impressions or what you think of them drafting Dax Milne in the seventh round. I think Dax Mill has a chance to have a really good NFL career because he's very smart. He's a great route runner. He fights for that football. He finishes, whether it's short or deep passes. The reason he went in the seventh round instead of higher is because 
NFL scouts didn't see elite physical traits, doesn't have necessarily elite speed or height or something like that. But he's elite when it comes to playing the game of football. And so I think he has a really good chance to be a very valuable player, probably in the slot, go deep sometimes in the league, because teams won't expect him to do that because they'll look at the numbers. But what they will be surprised at is how he gets all of his speed onto the field, unlike some guys who run faster on the track. At Washington, the issue with Dax is that that's a really deep receiver room. They added some free agents, and it'll make it kind of hard to catch on to the bottom of that roster. That doesn't mean he can't or he won't. But I do think that whether it's practice squad or whether it's catch on to the bottom of this or some other roster, Dax Milne will have a much better NFL career than people give him credit for who did not watch him play all year. Talking with Cougar great Trevor Maddich here on BYU Sports Nation. This is a really fun time to watch BYU players in the National Football League. And whether it's guys like Kyle Van Oy or Daniel Sorensen, you know, winning Super Bowls or Fred Warner playing in a Super Bowl, Taysom Hill being in the conversation, there's just so many different storylines featuring BYU players. In your opinion, of all the guys that are in the NFL that have BYU ties, who is the most prominent Cougar in the league right now? Well, if you say prominent, I think it's Taysom Hill for the Saints. He, for the last several years, has been one of the most fun guys to watch in the entire league and one of the most respected guys in the entire league. I mean, he came in as a quarterback who then began covering kickoffs and then did all kinds of things that big H-backs will do sometimes. I mean, this is a, a guy who will do anything for the team with a smile on his face, and that's the fun part of it. It's not just that Taysom is a unique, versatile athlete. It's that there's this childlike joy of playing the game and being around his teammates that show up whenever the camera's on him. And that's part of the fun of the audience watching him. So people don't know, or if people don't know that he's from BYU, they want to find out where he's from because they see this guy that's so joyful all the time. And now he has an opportunity to earn the starting job as a quarterback competing with Jameis Winston there now that Drew Brees is retired. So he's got a chance to actually elevate his profile from there. But from a standpoint of prominence, it's not just how well you play or where you play. It's how you connect with people. And I don't think Taysom is trying to connect with the NFL audience. I think he's trying to play the game as best he can for his team. But in doing so, he connects with the NFL audience because of that smile and that joyfulness. Yeah, see, my answer was Fred Warner simply because he's on a team that's expected to contend now that everybody's healthy. You know, worry about their quarterback situation, you know, when we get to the season. But, you know, he's widely viewed as the best linebacker in the National Football League, and you're on a team like that. So that's why I went with Fred Warner, but I can certainly understand the reasoning and the rationale for Taysom Hill. When it's all said and done, Trevor, how do you think that plays out in New Orleans? Because we obviously all want to see Taysom Hill get a shot as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. There does seem to be a little more momentum, and maybe it's just perception, that that maybe Jameis has more of a chance than, than what we originally thought he did. Taysom does have a good chance to start, although Jameis Winston is incredibly talented. The only thing that really stands between Taysom and that starting job is the final steps of tightening up his accuracy a little bit more because the windows he'll have to fit it into are super tight. And in that offense, you're required to have not just the knowledge of where to throw it and when to get it there, but then it's got to get there in a, in a really tight window. And he is working this offseason on pure quarterback workouts. 
In other words, in the past, he's worked on quarterback. He's worked on other stuff for physical strength. Now he's working on being a quarterback. That includes the drills that he's doing. And I think he's got the talent to do it. And as long as he can tighten that up, he has a chance to be the successor of Drew Brees, which is an amazing thing. Trevor, I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, but I have a feeling I know where you're probably going to go with this. Yesterday on the show, Spencer and I were talking about the golden age of BYU players in the NFL, and there are so many guys right now, 27 guys currently either on NFL teams with contracts or in mini camps or invites or whatever, so 27 guys. But is this the golden era of BYU football? Or is it the 80s with Jim McMahon and everything that happened there? Or is it the 90s with Steve Young? We settled on, or at least I did, that right now, and I understand everything that happened prior to, because of the sheer number and the storylines surrounding them, I said right now is the golden era for BYU players in the NFL. Where do you fall in that argument? How great is it that we're having this debate? Yes. Which decade among many is the golden era of Cougars in the NFL? And you know who's also listening to this debate is recruits. I mean, what a great thing for Kalani Sataki to be able to tell recruits that look at how we put people into the NFL. If you want to play in the league, you can come here. And we are also a pathway to the next level, which is great. Uh, I think if you talk about numbers, you're talking about now because of what you mentioned. And I think when it comes to actual golden age, now there needs to be accomplishment that needs to be finished. Jim McMahon won the Super Bowl. He's one of the biggest stars at the most glamorous position. Steve Young was, he put together a Hall of Fame career with the 49ers and did things with his arm that even Joe Montana didn't do. A lot of people thought Steve Young's career was mostly a running quarterback who threw a little. He was better than Montana at certain things, throwing the ball and more accomplished in some ways. And he won multiple Super Bowls. So you've got those guys finishing at the grammar positions at the top. That's why I think to really finish it for this to be the golden era of BYU football in the NFL, Zach Wilson, needs to succeed at the highest level. He needs to compete for Super Bowls. And if he wins a Super Bowl, then certainly that will be the the crown on top of all those numbers that you talked about, going with Fred Warner of the 49ers and Dan Sorensen of the Chiefs and so many others. Taysom Hill, uh, who has a chance to do some great things, whether as a starter or as a role player, continuing forward at the highest level in New Orleans. These are things that would make this the golden era. But it's all on Zach Wilson, not to give him that much more pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, 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 no, there's no more pressure that he needs right now. Right? He's just in the number one media market. He's the number two overall pick. Trevor, great stuff as always. It is so much fun to have you on. Since it had been a while, we got to cover a lot of stuff. Just great stuff, and it's always good to talk to you. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. She is the current queen of diamonds in the West Coast Conference as far as softball goes, pride of Camas, Utah. Welcome Hannah Jo Peterson. Hannah Jo, great to have you on the show. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. It's the least we can do when you're the Conference Player of the Week <laughs> and yet pulled in another West Coast Conference championship. How does it feel to win a 12th straight WCC or conference title as a BYU softball team? It feels awesome. I've never done that, so this is my first year, so it feels awesome. 
So take us back, take us back to the the early career for Hannah Joe. You were a four sport athlete in high school: soccer, volleyball, basketball, and softball, of course. But is is that is as if that wasn't enough? You were also a cheerleader. How in the world <laughs> did you have time to do all that? I looking back now, I don't I don't remember ever like not having time. I guess it's just I would go from basketball practice to cheer at a boys game or something. Um, so it was just, we had practice at six in the morning for cheer. Um, it was so fun. It was so fun being busy all the time and just being involved in everything. Good grief. Did you ever drop a triple double in your cheerleader uniform or did you have enough time to change uniforms? <laughs> I did change. I did change. During <laughs> softball season, we didn't have cheer. So it worked out. It was good. Hannah Joe Peterson with us on BYU Sports Nation. We talked about the 12 consecutive conference championships for BYU softball, there's always this kind of pressure that because BYU wins so consistently that you don't want to be the team that doesn't win the conference title. So how did you handle that this year after a little bit of a slow start and then you caught fire? How did you handle that pressure to go on and win another conference title? Um, I think our team is just really good at, I mean, I know the beginning was rough, but everybody kind of does their part. I feel like Girls that have come off the bench have done really well. They always go in and do their job. And the girls that are out there, they know what needs to be done, and they just get it done. I think we've come together since we've struggled the beginning, and we've come together as a team and just found a way. So, There's also a history with this program of winning conference championships. It's what this program does, and it's expected. How do you avoid becoming complacent with that because it happens every year. Um, we did actually have a talk about becoming complacent and stuff. And a lot of the time our coaches just say, you can't take a pitch off. You can't take an at-bat off. You just have to, every every minute, every pitch um, matters. So you just have to take it one by one instead of trying to look into the future of what could happen or the past of what had happened if we had lost or a bad at-bat or something just staying resilient through the whole thing and just going one pitch at a time. Hannah, I've been doing the play-by-play for BYU softball for about eight years now, and I can't remember a time when the outfield was as much fun to cover as it is right now between Riley Jensen, Violet Zavodnik, and yourself. What is it about this outfield that makes the that so special, that dynamic of not just what you can do defensively, but the power you guys bring to the plate? I personally learn a lot from those two just because they're both just such fighters. They have a lot of fire in them and they're always like, so what? Like, let's go. Whether they do bad, if they have a bad at bat, they never look back at their at bat. And it's always just makes me like, okay, like I got to step up and Violet, especially too, being a freshman, she is so good at just moving on. And I learned from that. So I think all we kind of just balance each other out and we're all just like, we want to win so bad. And we all just think it starts with us. And so we just, we go from there and we just build on each other. Take us through what this week means for the team, senior week. And obviously every year it's unique and everybody kind of goes through their own emotions. Take, take me through what this week means for, for you. Um, for me personally, I, it is sad seeing the seniors go, but I know that they know we still have work that needs to be done. Um, we're not finished yet. And I know that they know that, um, this week was a little weird since we don't have games this weekend, 
But I think, well, I know we're going to do our best to prepare for regionals and um, just get ready to go and win some more games. I want to go in the history of your decision to come to BYU. Why, why did you decide that BYU was the next place for you in your softball career when you probably had several other opportunities to go other places? Um, I actually had a dream that I was in a BYU uniform <laughs> playing softball. I was actually playing my junior college. And I just think ever since then, I just was like, BYU. I've actually never been a BYU fan growing up or anything. Um, it was just something that I thought would be so awesome. And I knew they had a great program and great coaches. And I just was like, why not? I think that would be so cool. So I just did everything and I did have a dream about it. So my dream came true. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I'm so glad I asked that question. <laughs> you just made my day, Hannah Joe. You made my day. That was amazing. Perfect. <laughs> all right. So now, now I'm going to ask a question about your name. So Hannah Joe, it's all one. Do you like it yeah. all being one, or do you, would you have preferred Hannah space Joe? <laughs> no, I love it all one. I just like all one word. <laughs> <laughs> These are the type of hard-hitting questions. Look, when you come on this on show, we're getting the hard-hitting stuff here. <laughs> all right. it, it's unique, like the all one word. We talked about the 11 and 13 start. Now BYU has won what feels like every game since, 24 of the last 26. What changed for this team to go on this wild run to success and another conference championship and eventually another NCAA tournament appearance? I think we were just sick of losing, (laughs) sick of the feeling of losing. Um, We know what we're capable of. Our team has so much talent from 1 to 26, and I just – I think we just flipped a switch that was like, we're better than this. We have what it takes. And we're all just starting to play for each other. We play with more energy. We play with more positivity. And we're just having fun. I think that is the biggest thing for all of us. I like to have fun. And I feel like when I don't have fun, I don't do my best. And I think that goes for a lot of people in sports. Um, They're supposed to be fun. I don't know why you would be here if you're not going to have fun. So I think we just started having fun and trusting ourselves when we're on the field or at bat. Uh, The fun factor has helped when you hit 80 home runs as a team as well. So here's to more home runs. I know you got (laughs) one more against Utah State uh, before you close out the regular season. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Go and play well. You come on the show. You're going to play. You're the West Coast Conference Player of the Week. You're going to be amazing against Utah State. So just bank on that, okay? Got it. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with us, Hannah Joe. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. Hannah Joe Peterson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. What a great story about the dream. I wasn't going to ask that question. I was like, you know, I, I want to I go there. Dream it into existence. How about that? That is awesome. Yes. By the way, I had a dream you gave me $20. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what you're doing. Your Jedi mind tricks won't work, Jason. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope did an Instagram story yesterday at the request of his daughters, apparently, 
and he was answering fans' questions. Now, one question that he got was, is Alex Barcelo coming back? Well, well, here's his response. Alex Rustin and about a hundred other people asked the one question that everybody in Cougar Nation is dying to know. Is Alex Barcelo coming back? And the answer is... <laughs> I'm sorry, did it freeze up? <laughs> where, where? <laughs> He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Okay, what did Coach Pope say after the camera stopped? Let's see. Utilizing my spidey senses to go back in time and uh, get into the coach's office, he said Alex Barcelo is coming back to BYU so that he can play basketball, be in the program in the building with his little sister who's joining BYU women's basketball. This all after he explored his professional options and decided that one more year of college basketball is going to benefit his jump to the pro leagues the most. So he's coming back. Wow, that was a very long answer from Mark Pope. Right? Uh, yeah, it's very wordy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take a gander at what you thought, or were uh, you cool with that? My answer was yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I didn't give it much more thought than just yes. Fair enough. <laughs> really, you want that short answer because you're excited about the topic I'm about to bring up. Okay, bring it. This tweet was posted... Earlier this week by an American Athletic Conference podcast host from at C. Austin Cox. Quote, Big 12 is ready to look at expansion again. Its membership, group of rights, and TV deals are coming up. There could be word as soon as media days about an exploratory group. ESPN paid the Big 12 not to expand in 2016 indirectly, buying the AAC time to strengthen. That time is running out. End quote. So to be clear, Jason, this is one guy, podcast guy, but I know you love Big 12 expansion talk, Jason. You love it. Yes. Are you ready for the annual rumor mill to return? In my world, the rumor mill has never stopped. (laughs) I don't care if it's one guy. I don't care if it's no guys. The BYU to the Big 12, BYU (laughs) to P5 conference. That will always live in my heart. Okay? You can't get enough of it. So if there's anything, whether it's legit or not, I'm in. I am always in. Yeah, your ears perk up if somebody says Big 12 expansion. Look, I'm in. Anywhere. I'm in. Social media posts, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, MySpace. MySpace. Look. You're in. Did someone say Big 12 expansion talk? Look, I, I don't even, I don't care who said it. The fact that we have now spent more than 60 seconds discussing it (laughs) does my heart good, okay? Uh, You're a happy man. Yes, I am. All right. Fred Warner. We aim to please. Yes. Fred Warner makes the list of the top 25 athletes under 25. How about that? Coming in at number 21 just after Phoenix Suns guard Devin Booker. By the way, just ripped my heart out last Mm -hmm. night. Uh, Just ahead and also just ahead of the Ravens' Lamar Jackson. You know we love Fred Warner mm-hmm. on this show. Love him. Love him. Love him. Like, graphic worthy, we yes, love him. Yes, Do you feel he should be higher than 21st? Well, if he's not going to be higher, at least they should put him on the graphic that explains it all, right? He, he's worthy of that. All pro Fred. He's number 21. He's ahead of Lamar Jackson, Jason. The NFL MVP. He's ahead of the NFL MVP, so I'm not going to be too greedy here and say... 
Well, he should probably be a couple spots higher when he's ahead of the NFL's most valuable player, a quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to argue with this. I And look, I, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve to be higher. I'm just saying i just happy that he's on this list. I'm just not used to BYU guys getting this kind of attention. And look, he deserves every bit of it. 100%. He's 100% deserves to be on this list. I'm just not used to our guys getting the recognition, so I'm perfectly fine where he's at. Also, he's number 21, which is one of my two favorite numbers. I'm absolutely good with this. You have two favorite numbers. What's the other one? 11. Any particular reason why? I'll elaborate on that after the show. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's cryptic. (laughs) We just got stuff to do. By the way. It's kind of a long story. 17. That's my number. 17? 17, yes. Okay. Yeah. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope didn't just leave everybody hanging on the Alex Barcelo question. He says a song from the hit Broadway musical Hamilton would provide his walk-up music in baseball in this specific post on his Instagram story yesterday. My shot. In fact, he sang or rapped a little bit of it. And trippy. I'm past patiently waiting. I'm passionately smashing every expectation, every action's an act of creation. I'm laughing in the face of casualties is all. For the first time, I'm thinking past tomorrow, and I am not throwing away my shot. Hey! It's <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, if you can follow up that. Yes. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. And joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, BYU infielder Andrew Pintar joining us from his hotel room. Penny, how are you? How, is, uh, how are things in beautiful Stockton, California? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. It's a cool little place here. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, I know based off of the, the schedule that I know you keep, when you're on the road, I've got to imagine what you got breakfast done, what about a half an hour ago. And now it's kind of just getting yourself ready for the game tonight. Right. Yeah. we kind of got all day to kind of relax, you know, get ready and get in the right mindset. Got a good breakfast in what matters and we're ready to go. Look, I, I know it was tough to lose the final game at San Diego, but you guys playing so well right now, you guys playing well in that series. You took two of three, what do you think are the main reasons why the team has gotten into such a nice groove right now? You know, these past couple of weeks, you know, we've kind of figured out how to just play and have fun. You know, we've been a lot, we've been really uptight lately, especially at the first of the season, you know, we were down, you know, but we kind of settled in, we found our groove, we found out how to have fun, you know, and our guys are just starting to play for each other. You know, that's what matters. And, this last series was so was really fun because, you know, two good teams going at it, it's awesome. It's 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 a fun environment, you know. And yeah, we just gotta carry that into this weekend and the next. Well the team's playing really well here down the stretch. Individually, your season's been outstanding. Lead the team in batting average, hits, runs scored, tied in triples. How do you describe your season personally? Yeah, um, you know, I've had my ups and downs this season for sure, but I've tried to stay as consistent as possible, and I, I try to stay even-keeled throughout the season. A lot of guys ask why I don't ever get too low or too high, and it's just 
it's just because I try to stay consistent and, you know, that's what helps me stay, stay like that. And luckily I've had a little bit more ups and downs this season, but yeah, I just got to keep going to finish the season strong. Yeah, I think that's an understatement, Penny. More, <laughs> yeah. more certainly more ups than downs. Your season has been unbelievable, and and it's been fun too. Your your power numbers have uh, have spiked over the last uh, couple of weeks. You've had three home runs in the last two series. Now, right now, Cole Gamble has eight home runs, so he leads the team with eight home runs. Are you are you looking to give Cole a little bit of a run for his money over the next couple of weeks? Hopefully, hopefully, I can give him a little run for his money. But I'm just you know I'm just trying to stay consistent and. St- Keep seeing the ball well at the plate, you know. Home runs come from swinging good, but we'll see what happens. Hey, how bittersweet is it to be playing so well right now at the end of the year? You guys really on a roll, but knowing that the normal format for a conference tournament isn't in place. You guys are in fifth right now. You're playing where you could possibly get into a fourth spot on a normal year. That would get you into a conference tournament and an opportunity to play for an NCAA tournament bid. But that, but that's not out there right now. The team's playing so well. How tough is that? You know, it was really tough hearing that we weren't going to have a tournament, a conference tournament this year. But knowing where we are now, we're just, you know, we're trying to finish the year strong. You know, that's the only thing we really can do, and that's the only thing we can control right now is to just come out these last two series and finish strong, just like we did this last series. So for those that do not know, uh, you are engaged to be married this summer. So once the off-season arrives, what, what's going to be occupying your time? Is it going to be the wedding plans? Are you looking to maybe play some summer baseball? What's the plans for the summer? Yeah, I'm actually pretty occupied this summer. I'm actually <laughs> going back out to Minnesota to play more baseball for the whole summer. But And right when I get back, I'll be getting married. But I'm putting a lot of pressure on her you know my family and her family to kind of get it all ready to go but yeah we're, we're super excited we're really excited and and so so penny this is an opportunity we're showing some of the some of your photos uh when you when you asked her what's what's her name maybe this is an opportunity for you to dote on your on your fiance a little bit give everybody an idea of who who you're marrying yeah her name's rachel she um we're high school sweethearts we started dating my junior year of high school you know, I've known her for a long time. She's an amazing girl, and I, I cannot wait to marry her. We've been looking forward to this for a long time, and we kind of figured this is the right time for us. And and there was an opening at the end of the summer when I get back, so we thought, what better time than now? So we're super excited. Uh, congratulations. And, hey, take it from two guys that are married. This is the best advice we could ever give you. And It seems like you already know this, but – it's not your day anyhow. So, like, whatever she says, you just shake your head and go, yes, dear, that's on, – on the wedding day, this is all about you. You can just focus on baseball, let her focus on that, and I think things will turn out just fine, Andrew. That's that's the way it goes. So, hey, before we let you go, give us the scouting report on Pacific. You guys are poised to start uh, your final road series of the season. Uh, what do we look for in Pacific? Um, you know, I think they're a pretty good team. I know I don't think their numbers show it, but you know, they've beaten some teams. We just got to come out with the same mentality we had against San Diego, you know, staying on the gas pedal, staying aggressive. You know, that's what, that's when we play our best is when we don't play relaxed, we just go get it. And we just got to take that into this series next. And I think we'll be just fine. All right, Penny, uh, let's give you the, uh, the BYU sports nation karma. We'll send it to you and the rest of the team you guys play your final road series, looking to keep uh, keep the good play going against the Pacific Tigers. Uh, congratulations on on a fun season so far. It's it's obviously great to to cover you and these guys. 
uh, and good luck against the Tigers. We appreciate you joining us on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. That's Andrew Pintar on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.